We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash lawless. Just go to Indeed.com slash lawless right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed com slash lawless terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed hello sunshine i'm alexi lawless and welcome to the state of the union podcast where we look at the beautiful game on and off the field through the lens of red white and blue colored glasses this week we'll be talking the epl first impressions back as they return we'll be talking about some production battles off the field when we do this compare and contrast between leagues that are coming back. We're talking about the quote-unquote American dream. Uh, We'll be talking about Chucky, Chucky, however you want to pronounce it. We'll be talking about a potential domestic-only MLS team and what would that look like. We'll talk about fathers, talking about all sorts of stuff and so much more. But first, joining me, as always, my friend, my colleague, my guiding light, David Mossy, a soccer savant and a Fox soccer researcher and writer extraordinaire. Mossy, how are you on this Sunday, June 21st in the year of 2020? I'm doing well. If I seem distracted at all during this podcast, (laughs) it's because we're taping during the Everton-Liverpool match, which I actually have on. And so uh, this is Shades of uh, Mike and the Mad Dog, a radio show I grew up listening to in New York. They sometimes used to do their shows while the NCAA tournament was going on and they'd be like doing play by play during their radio show and describing the action. And it was kind of amusing. And so it could be shades of that today. If you see me react in the middle of the pod and it's because somebody scored or something happened. Well, now that there's so much soccer coming back uh, at some point, we have to make the call on when we're going to record this thing. Trying to find that ideal moment is next to impossible. So this is, this is going to happen uh, and it's okay. So if something does happen in that game while you are watching it out of the corner of your eye during this segment, we'll just, you know, we'll just work it, work it in as we always do. Now, you know, I mentioned all the soccer that's coming back online. We're going to talk a lot about that here uh, in, in a few minutes, but uh, man and woman cannot live on soccer alone. As we talk about each and every week, are, are, we're scraping the bottom of the barrel when it comes to television. Is there anything over the past week that has tickled your fancy out there when it comes to either something new that you've discovered or a continuation of something? A couple things. I watched an excellent Netflix documentary on Cuba. It's called uh, Cuba Libre mm. this past week and learned a lot about the history of Cuba. I also watched the Spike Lee movie, The Five Bloods, which was released on Netflix this past week. Thought that was pretty good. And I'm actually looking forward to tonight on HBO. I've been watching this show, I May Destroy You, which we're only a couple of episodes into that. And then Perry Mason debuts tonight. So HBO all of a sudden has a little bit of a Sunday night thing going again. So I'm, I'm so, so wait, this is, an, this, hold on, because I haven't heard about this. An updated version of Perry Mason, obviously, a, a, a contemporary version of the classic. No, it's actually set in 1930s Los Angeles. It's kind of an origin prequel kind of thing. 
Oh, okay. As far as Matthew Reese from The Americans, which was one of my favorite shows, which ran on FX. And so I, I, the commercials, it looks pretty interesting. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's, that's interesting. You know, I, I, I'm trying to think of anything that has you know, made me sit up and I can't. I mean, it's, it's amazing. I will watch something and you know, because I said we are scraping the bottom of the barrel, some of it just goes in one ear and out the other and doesn't resonate at all with me. And I'll even forget going back that I had started watching something. And I think we mentioned a couple of pods ago about the, uh, the discovery, if you will, of all of this body of work from some pretty high profile actors out there. I mentioned Arnold Schwarzenegger, and uh, Sylvester Stallone, John Travolta, and all of these, what back in the day would have been straight to video type of performances. And now they just are, are straight to, to streaming. And you never heard about them. There was no marketing behind them. The, we talked a couple of pods ago about the amount of money and the business of, of these things. Uh, you know, so I continue to, to see some pretty high profile actors in some pretty mediocre type of uh, type of performances, but I'm sure they're getting paid. You mentioned the the Cuba documentary. I have not seen that, but there is also, and correct me if I'm wrong, a uh, it's actually a movie, and I think it's made for Netflix. And once again, I could be wrong about Cuban spies coming to Miami and coming to uh, to the United States. I haven't checked that one out. That that's on the list. I, that does intrigue me, and I'll be interested if you have watched it or if anybody out there has watched it yet. I did watch it last night. When I told my father that I had seen the Cuba Libre uh, documentary, he suggested I watch that movie as well as a companion piece. And yeah, I watched it last night. It's pretty good. It's about these Cuban spies that were sent to Miami in the 1990s to infiltrate these Cuban exile organizations. And uh, it's yeah, based on a true story. And they were all arrested and spent many years in jail. Not to ruin it for you, but... No, it's a, no I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check it out. I'm, believe me. I, 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 as I said, I... We are at the bottom of the barrel. So I will watch pretty much anything uh, at, at this time. However, you know, the world is opening up slowly and surely, hopefully safely, uh, cautiously optimistic, although we're seeing some things around uh, that, are, that are concerning. And the soccer world continues to open up. Another week down and more leagues ha have returned. We are going to talk about all of that. So, Mossy, uh, let's get into it uh, right now. You ready to light this candle? Yep. All right. Uh, so now each and every week, as we have gone through this pandemic and this this new normal, uh, we have gotten uh, away from doing the traditional State of the Union where I spout off on something. But believe me, there's plenty of spouting off that's going to happen here nonetheless. But we're just getting right into it. And as I said at the top of the show, there's just so much soccer now that is coming back on. A daily diet and dose is there, albeit in a in a in a different form. And, you know, we saw the return of, yes, the EPL, the most popular, uh, the richest league that is that is out there, has finally returned. Mossy, was was this an ah moment for you? Was this everything that you hoped it would be on the field and off the field as the EPL made its triumphant return? Well, it's great to have it back. Um, and I think the good has outweighed the bad the last few days, but there was definitely some bad. Uh, they need to work on the artificial noise. It's definitely not at the same level as it is in Germany or Spain. And also in the very first game back, Aston Villa, Sheffield United, we had a goal line technology apocalypse, which I'd like to discuss <laughs> because it is interesting to me that 
in a time when we like to debate everything and even offsides, which is ostensibly supposed to be a black and white issue, has turned very contentious. Goal line technology was the one thing that every fan had sort of blind faith in. And if the technology says it's not a goal, then it's not a goal. The Premier League title a couple of seasons ago was essentially decided by a goal line technology moment in the Manchester City Liverpool game, a Liverpool shot that to the naked eye looked like it was a goal, but goal line technology said no. City ended up winning that game, ended up winning the title by one point. Liverpool fans bemoaned the fact that they came so close, but nobody argued that it was a goal. If goal line technology said no, then it wasn't. And I think this incident in the Villa-Sheffield United game was a bit of a tipping point where now we're even going to start to question goal line technology. And I, I found it rather amusing that some people were criticizing VAR for not correcting that mistake. So now we want to add uh, onto VAR that it also has to clean up goal line technology's mess. So it, it makes me think of that. Um, the former governor of New York, Al Smith, has a quote, the cure for the ills of democracy is more democracy. So the cure for the ills of technology is more, more technology, apparently. We need to put more on VAR's plate. It needs to clean up goal line technology's mess. It was something to behold. And, uh, you know, you're right that we, we do, I guess, take it for granted. And, you know, maybe in that instance, we saw... I mean, we literally saw the blind spot that, you know, for goal line technology. And while it was a goal, it was not the wrong decision. If you, if you understand what I'm saying in that the referee, he, he is told if it buzzes on your wrist, then it's gone over the line. We take that uh, as gospel and we have for, for, for many years now that this has been implemented. And, and he rightfully kept looking and pointing to his wrist. Look, I didn't, I didn't get buzzed. And, you know, is it this incredible anomaly where every single star was perfectly aligned or, or head, I guess, and relative to the ball and body was perfectly aligned where we're never, ever going to see something like this again? Or has it pointed out one of the problems, albeit a, a very rare problem, that needs to be solved by VAR? Because the way that the VAR rules are written, I'm, I'm not sure that you could do that in that moment. Uh, the goal line technology was always a, a separate thing. All right, before I get your take on that, just, just let me say my, my first impression of the EPL coming back. And I had mentioned last week that I equate the EPL with the NFL. And therefore, there are raised expectations for what you are going to see in terms of the quality on the field and what you are going to see in terms of the quality of the production off the field. You already hit upon it in that I think, yes, this is a work in progress. And I think to be fair to the EPL, you have to give them the week in and week out. And, and certainly the, the enhancements and the improvement that we saw in the Bundesliga from week one to week two, you would hope to see that. However, you know, the EPL, once again, it's the NFL. So they have been watching what others, uh, others are doing. And I think that because it's the EPL, there was an expectation that they were not only going to live up, but they were going to surpass in ways. They didn't live up and they didn't surpass. Uh, you mentioned the, the audio. And I do think that that will get better with time, but it, you got to crank up the audio. I mean, the, the mix of the, you know, the, nat the natural sound that you are hearing, which I know some people want, okay, but it's, it's so jarring and stark and it was pumped to a level or the other, I guess the, the crowd level wasn't, wasn't enough where it, it just, it didn't feel like, it almost felt like the, the enhanced crowd noise was working against what you were trying to do. I think 
you have to err on the side of cranking it up, okay? It is, as we've said, this blanket, this comfort food, this soundtrack, and I think that you need to make sure that it is prominent and that it at times drowns out some of those other noises that you're hearing because those noises, they jar me back into the reality and that they didn't have it from the start, okay? Specifically because it's the EPL. As I said, the most popular league in the world, the richest league in the world, and therefore the league with the highest expectations. I, I think, you know, that, that I'm not criticizing them. I'm happy that they're, that they're back. But that was a little bit disappointing in that they didn't have their ducks in a row. Now, I think they have the opportunity as they go on to improve, and I hope that they do, hopefully with the speed and the efficiency that the Bundesliga does. But my first impression, if I'm giving them a grade relative to the Bundesliga coming back, and keep in mind, the Bundesliga came back the first week without, at least what we were watching over here, without the enhanced crowd noise. And I still think as far as coming back into market with a return, you still give the Bundesliga for their first week a B. And I think for EPL, you get a C. And that's not good having seen what the Bundesliga has done already multiple, multiple weeks. But they get a chance to improve, so they will get my grade next week as to how they have improved over the last week. Mossy. Now, the uh, second game back was Manchester City-Arsenal. City won 3-0. Let me ask you this. As a former center back, did you ever have a day like David Luiz had where you just had to come out afterwards and say, it was all my fault, I completely wrecked this game for, for the rest of my team? I can't think of one where it was that bad and on that big a stage. And it was, it, it, it's, you know, it's, it's one that you couldn't script in, in terms of the amount of damage that he did and the, the small amount of time in which he did it. It was, I mean, it, you got to hand it to him. That takes skill to be able to do that, to come in and completely implode yourself and bring down your entire team with you and not even finish the game. So, you know, it was, if, if it wasn't so sad, it, 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 it would be funny. And to be quite honest, it is kind of funny uh, seeing some of it. Nothing that he did was right. You know, after the game, you know, some of his comments, to be fair, at least he commented. And at least he didn't shirk the responsibility and he recognized that a lot of this was on him. And that's one of those things where if you're a, if you're a coach or a fellow player, you don't want to crush him. But, you know, that's not X's and O's. That's not... That's not anything that you could, although you could, you could argue maybe management and knowing what your players are up here in that time is on you as a coach. But I, I think a lot of them just said, you know, somebody had a really bad day and a stinker. And it would be one thing if this guy was at the top of his game, but this is problematic for where he is as a player right now. Yeah, I mean, he had a uh, Jekyll and Hyde career for a long time, and I think Hyde has completely won out. And he's now 33 years of age. His uh, contract situation is unclear. But if you're a big club that's serious about challenging for major trophies, I don't know how you can justify having David Luiz in your squad at this point. He's been in that sort of big club loop for the last 10 years for all his deficiencies and all the criticism. He's still been a player with enough virtues that there's always some club out there that, that thinks it's worthwhile to sign him. But I think we're coming to the end of the line there. I think whatever his next club is, it's going to be a big step down from the ones that he's played in so far in his career. Now, Masi, when it comes to the actual on-field play, we mentioned the, you know, the poor performance of an individual. But overall, 
and, and, and I don't know if you got this impression, but I got this impression. And there were some moments. The, uh, the Chilwell goal uh, was, was phenomenal. Uh, what's the other one? I can't remember who it was, but the, the volley off or the cross. So there were some moments. But I thought, in general, the quality was lacking. Okay. And, and maybe, you know, that's certainly to be expected. You've been off. But once again, this is the NFL. Okay. And the games were not particularly exciting. And I think what it highlighted is that one of the reasons why the EPL is the most popular league in the world isn't just or, or necessarily because of what happens on the field. It's everything. And in particular, everything around it. We talk so much about the, the churning of the narratives and, and the stories of the individuals and the teams and the history, you know, the, the, the supporters. And it's not to say that supporters in Italy or, in, or, or, uh, or Germany or, or any place else aren't important. But I just think that, that the experience of an EPL game has been sold so much and marketed, and rightly so. I mean, and whether it's on TV or the actual in-person experience is, such a, is so married to the game that when you take it out and you just see the stark, naked quality of play or level of play, uh, it becomes very, very apparent that aside from the super clubs, it's a very mediocre level when it comes to it. I don't know. That was my impression. And once again, you know, before you start screaming at me, well, you're going to start screaming anyway, anyway, but before you do understand that this is going to ebb and flow and hopefully progress forward and upward with every week that passes as the players get more used to it, as the production becomes, uh, comes better. Some of that rust starts to, uh, starts to slide off. But I, I think you saw, behind the curtain of what the EPL really is and what the EPL really isn't. And as we've talked about, the big point of intrigue for me is the top four race, which could turn into the top five, depending on what happens with the Manchester City appeal. But I think I might be ready to cross Arsenal off the list of contenders for even the fifth spot. And really? I'll tell you, you know, we, we, Arsenal, Chelsea, and Manchester United all went the former player route. Now, Mikel Arteta is not as beloved a figure among Arsenal fans as Solskjaer is at United and certainly Frank Lampard at Chelsea. So he has the shortest leash, the smallest amount of goodwill, and he's already kind of using it up. I mean, I sense that Arsenal fans are already kind of exasperated, which is not what you want to see early in a young manager's tenure. So, yeah, because, you know, Arsenal follow up that loss to Manchester City, which, okay, you can – say that was all David Luiz, but then they lose to Brighton. David Luiz was not involved sure. in that game. So <laughs> yeah, this looks like it might just end up being a disastrous season for Arsenal and there's no salvaging it. So they're at 10th at 40 points and that puts them, uh, what, six points out of a potential top five finish, right? So yeah, I mean, because they're going to have all sorts of people gunning for them and gunning for that spot in this, uh, this rundown. And look, I, I, I want to just make it very, very clear. I'll watch this. And I, and I watched the hell, hell out of the EPL coming back, you know, despite, you know, what, what the level that it is, it, it, there's, there's a curiosity in me and there's an entertainment factor in me that I, I can't help but watching, but watching this league and whether it's, you know, the hate watching or uh, it's, it's watching 
Arsenal and Arsenal supporters go crazy because evidently it doesn't matter what the world's going through, Arsenal going to Arsenal, right? <laughs> As it comes to this, you know, whether it's watching just the dreck that is Norwich, uh, you know, a team like Norwich and, and just being, you know, how is this possible that this, that, that this is a EPL level uh, type of team? And I look, I know they're going down in the mentality of players and, you know, the way that people are looking at uh, things, uh, things matter. But do you think that in general, EPL fans out there were, 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 were satisfied? Because, you know, we, we build this up to, to, oh my gosh, it's finally back. It's finally back. I get to do it. And people that are maybe strictly EPL fans, did, was this, obviously it's, it's, it's not perfect. It's not ideal, but it's better than nothing. Do you think that they left the weekends or the games uh, of their own team or other teams being filled? Or do you think it left them wanting? I think they're happy to have the Premier League back, but I agree with your overall point. It's been, in terms of the quality of the play, it's been a little bit underwhelming so far on the Premier League front. I think they are a little bit behind, like I said, uh, Germany and Spain, who kind of hit the ground running and didn't seem to miss a beat. Uh, It looks like, for whatever reason, in England, it's going to take like a week or two maybe to kind of get everybody back up to speed, both in terms of the quality on the field and, as you mentioned, the the, the artificial noise and all that. And so it might not be a great product uh, right away. Uh, It might be a bit of a slow burn as far as the Premier League coming back. It also, you know, it doesn't help to have, to not have a title race and to have Liverpool on the verge after 30 years, 23 points ahead, right? Yeah. Well, two other games I do want to mention. Tottenham, Manchester United, uh, 1-1. Pogba came on in the second half and oh, was terrific. Gave yeah. uh, United a real big lift. And, and I, I, he earned the penalty that Bruno Fernandes converted. And I think Solskjaer's ability to figure out a way for Pogba and Bruno Fernandes to play together from the start uh, if he can do that, then United are going to be an absolute handful through the rest of the season and, and, and into next season. And yeah, they're either the last one in or first one out as far as the Champions League, depending on that Manchester City deal. So I'm sure United fans are eagerly waiting to hear what, what happens with that. And then, you know, we can end our Premier League talk on Chelsea this morning, which I do think it's revealing that Pulisic didn't start this game. It sort of reinforces in my mind that all things being equal, Lampard's inclination is to leave him out. And he always has to kind of earn his way back in, but I, he did that. He came on, he, yep. he scored right away. The team got better with him on the field. So I suspect he'll start the next game, but it just, it's, it's a little bit concerning to me that he always seems to have to have to do something to really like win over Lampard where Lampard's natural inclination seems to be to leave him out, which concerns me with all those new signings coming in and Timo Werner and Hakim Ziyech. But Nevertheless, a good day for Pulisic. Uh, it is, but you're, 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 you're talking about it, and, and a lot of people are talking about it in the context of him not starting, right? So you just, we just have to be careful that when a player comes on the field, okay, and does his job as a substitute, your job as a substitute is to come on and change the dynamic of what's going on. Right. If you're a defender, you're supposed to shut it down. If you're an attacking player, you're supposed to do things that haven't been done and get your team back into the game or, you know, score more goals and and, and put put it farther out of reach for the other team. But just because you come on and do that doesn't then mean that you should start. Now, I'm not saying that Christian Pulisic shouldn't start. And I'm not saying that he's not in a competitive battle right now. But I just think it's it's dangerous to to assume that just because a player comes on, scores a goal that that 
we're extrapolating out, but had he started, what, he would have scored three goals? No, not necessarily. He's coming on, the, 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 the opposition's worn down. He's had an opportunity to see what's, uh, see what's going on. He's, he's coming on, by the way, for a team that is, that is still loaded against an inferior opponent. And, and I'm, not, I'm not being you know, sour grapes here or anything like that. That's what you want to, to do. But I don't expect Frank Lampard to just turn around and start him because of that. He might start him because Frank Lampard's going to rotate stuff and they have a lot of good quality, especially good quality sitting on the bench. That's what big teams do. And it's only going to get better with Timo Werner and the, you know, these types of players coming in. So good, good things in the future for Chelsea. Christian Pulisic may or may not start. But it made you feel good, made you feel good, especially as an American when you woke up this morning and you were able to see him. And yeah, we all want him to start. He's not starting. Fine. So can you make an impression and and make an impact off the bench? He did exactly what his coach asked for him. I'm not sure that leads to a a starting job, but that's that's all that he can do uh, that he can uh, that he can do right now. Uh, Anything else EPL wise before we move on? Uh, No, that's it. All right. What would you like to transition to here, Mossy? What's uh, what's next on the docket? Well, uh, according to Alex Dowd's rundown, and Alex Dowd, by the way, in a very good mood this morning after oh, Chelsea. Yes, uh, of course. He wants us to talk La Liga next. Ooh, okay. All right. So La Liga, when it comes to... So I gave, so I gave the Bundesliga a, a solid B in their first week out. I gave, the, I gave EPL a C. La Liga, I'm going to give a B minus-ish, probably. Okay. Um, I thought from a, from a production standpoint, uh, first off, the, uh, I thought I was going to hate the Real Madrid games in their, uh, in their training facility stadium. I can't remember what the name of it is, but uh, I thought it was really going to distract me, and it didn't. I mean, part of it is it's Real Madrid, so you, you get over it really quick, and when you have someone like Benzema scoring these types of goals, it makes it feel uh, that much better. But I think in terms of the production, uh, in terms of the, uh, the, the virtual fans, you know, they get a solid B minus. But, you know, you don't rest on your laurels. Uh, you got you to gotta make sure you bring it the next week. I believe it's called the Alfredo Di Stefano. Yes, complex. that's it. There, you, there it is. Thank you. Well, the, the notable result on the field was uh, Sevilla-Barcelona played to a uh, nil-nil draw. We should mention, we're taping this Sunday morning, Real Madrid have a game later today against Sociedad. If Real Madrid were to win that game, the two teams would be level on points at the top, Real Madrid and Barcelona, but Real Madrid hold the head-to-head tiebreaker, so they would be in first place. That being said, I was surprised. A lot of the reaction after that Barcelona result seemed to be like, wow, now Real Madrid are in the driver's seat. They control their own destiny, which... Uh, sort of is this mindset as if these are two juggernauts that are so much better than everybody else. And it hasn't been that kind of season. I think they're, both teams are going to drop points the rest of the way here. There are going to be a lot of twists and turns right until the end. I don't see anybody sort of winning out and, and ripping off a bunch of victories in a row in a way to sort of take command of this title race. So I just don't think either team is that good this season or that much better than the, the competition in La Liga. I will say it feels a bit trite to say that anybody – is going to benefit from the coronavirus situation. I mean, obviously nobody in the world's happy that this happened, but Eden Hazard is somebody who I look at who his season was over and it was going to go down as an absolute catastrophe. Yep. 
And because of this stoppage in play, he was able to come back, get himself healthy. And again, Real Madrid play later today. I hope hopefully nothing happens in this game that, that makes the comment I'm about to say <laughs> not age well. But uh, it, you just get the vibe that he's now in, in, in good shape and good form. And he's going to have a real strong end to the season here and forming a nice partnership with Benzema. And if he was able to play well and help Real Madrid pit Barcelona for the title, it would sort of change this whole narrative that was headed towards his debut season at Real Madrid being a total flop, a complete catastrophe. So he's gotten a bit of a new lease on life here. Do you think that Eden Hazard was headed in a in a James type of direction? I mean, like that where it was ultimately going to be considered just a complete flop. Yeah, I mean, th- this season, he had one goal and one assist all season before play was stopped. And now he's had assists in the, the first two games back. So, I mean... Do you think he's better than uh, than James? I do, yeah. Okay, yeah. all right. So you, th- you think he's better. In, in terms what? of Bar- Barcelona, Go ahead. Uh, a few things on this game. First of all, if, if you recall, when they got rid of Valverde and brought in this new manager, Kike Setien, who, who, mind you, the hipsters love, he has no trophy-winning pedigree. But the whole uh, rationale was that he was this Bielsa-like figure that was going to get Barcelona back to playing Barcelona football. And I'm already seeing a lot of, like, disenchanted comments on message boards and even articles in the Barcelona media saying that none of that is happening. This looks exactly like the same team under Valverde. And so again, this notion that this guy was going to come in and he had this magic wand and was going to get them all of a sudden with the same players to start playing quote unquote Barcelona football again, that that notion is already seems to be evaporating here, which is kind of funny to see. He also should just start a deal where he charges money and you just go to lunch with him. Okay. And then <laughs> You know, by association, you are of the Bielsa tree, then, and uh, and your your cachet increases dramatically. So, you know, when when all is said and done, well, we should uh, we should mention that uh, you know Stu Holden, our friend, uh, and Mallorca, uh, they they, uh, they tied. They only got a, they only got one point in a, in kind of a must win game this weekend. It's going to go real down, go down to the wire for him and uh, and Mallorca in terms of potential relegation. Yeah, no, absolutely. And a couple more things with Barcelona. Uh, I do find it amusing uh, the strategy that teams are devising to guard against Messi free kicks. I don't know if you saw this, but Sevilla, they not only have a guy laying down on the ground so Messi can't slip the ball underneath the wall, but they're now positioning a guy who it looks like he's going to stand close to the wall, but at the last minute he runs to one of the goalposts and actually it worked to perfection in the first half uh, this guy Kunde, who by the way Sevilla have a, an incredible center back pairing in Kunde and Diego Carlos I've been very impressed by them but he ran back at the perfect time and was able to clear a, a ball off the line which I'm not sure if the goalkeeper was going to be able to save it was very iffy I mean the, the, the danger you run in those situations is that the defender could actually get in the goalkeeper's way and impair him and going for the ball kind of distract the goalkeeper from what a shot he would have saved. I mean, do you, if you're playing on a team and a manager told you as a center back that that's your role on a free kick to at the last second run backwards towards the goalpost and try to head the ball out that's going in the upper corner, would you feel comfortable with that? Or would you be worried that you're going to run into the goalkeeper and you guys are going to get in, get in each other's way? Well, it's messy. So the usual tactics never apply. Uh, you got to get creative and you have to do some different things. You know, the lying down part, you know, you don't put it past messy to do anything and going under the wall certainly could happen but you also have to in in a situation like that hedge your bets and and play and play the odds so the chances of that happening are slim it's much more liable that he goes over and goes to the the side of the goal that's not covered by the goalkeeper the reason why you run back as opposed to just starting there is well twofold one if you start there then everybody can be on side and they can go stand in front of the goalkeeper and that can be problematic in and of itself and 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 two 
if you are standing there, the, the kicker already knows that you're there. And so he or she has to adjust to that person as opposed to if you do it in real time, it's harder for the kicker to see it, to recognize it and to adjust uh, in, in that, in that real time type of situation. Yeah. I mean, I've seen it before, so it's, it's not necessarily something, uh, something new. And when you have one of the great free kickers on the ball with the potential of letting in a goal, you do whatever you, whatever you, uh, uh, whatever you possibly, uh, whatever you possibly can, I, I guess. I mean, in this race down the, the end here between Barcelona and Real Madrid, what, what do you think happens? I, I do give the edge to Real Madrid. I think they have the slightly better team. You know, Barcelona have Messi. You know, he can win some matches on his own, but but still, I I, I think I'm I'm slightly leaning Real Madrid. I, I just think the it, the chemistry seems really off at Barcelona. Even you know, another thing that caught my eye was in the match before the Sevilla game against Leganes, Ansu Fati, who's this teenage sensation, sure. started, played really well, scored. Uh, all the headlines were about him. They were rubbing in Real Madrid's face that, you know, you spent all this money on Vinicius Junior and Rodrigo, and we spent nothing on this guy, and he's just as good. It was kind of a throwback to the old Cantera versus Cartera days when Pep was the manager of Barcelona. They used to really take pride in the fact that they develop stars while Real Madrid buy them. They can't really say that anymore because Barcelona spent like drunken sailors too. But at least in this Ansu Fati, Vinicius Junior, Rodrigo dynamic, they can kind of harken back to that. But then... Uh, the Sevilla game, he doesn't get off the bench. He doesn't start. You have five subs. It's nil-nil. You need a goal. He doesn't get off the bench. And then Setien says kind of sheepishly afterwards, like, yeah, maybe I should have brought him on. And I just <laughs> don't think? understand managers with young players sometimes. It seems like you're, when, it, when a player is young, you're allowed to treat him with this incoherence that you would never get away with with an established star. Like a guy starts a game, plays really well, scores, you win, and then you get to leave him out the next game and say, well, he's a young guy. We're bringing him along slowly. It's, why? I mean, it's a meritocracy, right? I mean, he, he earned a right to start the next game just the same as if Griezmann had played well and scored a goal. Of course, Griezmann would have started the next game. I mean, I, I just don't understand that mentality. They just, you know, it's just a number, right, Mossy? It's just a number. I mean, <laughs> it's, just it's a number. It, it, I, I understand exactly what you're saying. You know, I can also see that there is this, this fear of putting young players who haven't been in situations before in a situation that they can't handle. And not only does it damage you in the moment, but it potentially damages you later because coming out of it, you've, uh, you've warped them <laughs> and, you've, and you've damaged them for future games. Now, I think we put too much emphasis on that and we worry about that too much i mean these are these are young players yes are they inexperienced yes but you get over it i mean sink sink or swim get, throw them in there and let them do what they what they are doing all right dribbling the ball uh and doing something well if you do it well you do it well and you'll figure it out the reason why you are there is because you're good and because you have talent so i i i do agree with you all right Masi, i got a question for you on on la, la liga here because we talk, we've, I feel like we've talked about this every year, is the reliance on Messi. And look, all teams rely on their stars. That's why they're stars. You, you buy them, you pay them, uh, and you ride them because they do things that other people can't. That's, that's nothing new. When it comes to Barcelona and Real Madrid, it's oftentimes a collection of stars. When it comes to Barcelona in particular, especially now, uh, they're riding Messi. This Barcelona team, if they did not have Messi, so they're, they're sitting in first place, 65 points, 20 wins, 
five draws, five losses. If a Barcelona team, this Barcelona team in particular, did not have Messi, where do you think that they finish in the table? From start, if they start the season, where do you think that they fit? How important is Messi to Barcelona in 1920? Not 1920, but 2019, 2020 season. Yeah, I mean, they'd be s- several spots lower in the table. They'd be, they'd be, there's still enough talent there. I mean, come on, Suarez, Griezmann, it's not like it's chopped liver. They'd, they'd still be fighting for top four, but I, I don't think they'd be fighting for the title. Where the messy dependency really shows up is in the midfield because you still have guys like Suarez and Griezmann that can put the ball in the back of the net and Ansu Fati coming on as a youngster. But boy, there, there, there's very little creativity in that midfield. Frankie de Jong has not had the kind of season they were expecting. Artur... Uh, I still like, but yeah, it, it is a lot of sideways and backwards passes. Uh, Rocket Titch is a little long in the tooth. So, boy, it, it really has to be messy, always kind of unlocking the defense with a pass or some sort of darting run or something. To, it, 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 it all originates from Messi now when it didn't always used to be like that. Back in the days of Shivin and Yesa, there were other guys that could create. Um, and so, yeah, it, the, the dependency on Messi from a, from a creative standpoint is really stark right now. All right. So when Real Madrid takes care of Real Sociedad uh, and gets their three points, they'll be back even with Barcelona at the, at the top. But you heard it here. Barcelona without Messi in 2019-2020 season, according to David Mossi, would maybe be challenging for top five. That's what I hear. A middling, <laughs> a middling mid-level type of La Liga squad out there. That's how important Messi is uh, to Barcelona at this uh, point. All right, let me, uh, let me finish up this, uh, th- this segment with, a, with, a, with one last question to you. And it's actually going to go back to the EPL that we talked about because I, I, it, it occurred to me. You mentioned Paul Pogba and the great day that he had. So here's my question to you, David Mossi. Who had a better substitute performance Paul Pogba or Christian Pulisic? I would go with Pogba. Why? Pulisic scored the goal, but I think Pogba really changed the tenor of that game in a more significant way. That, my friends, is why you listen to David Mossy. Okay. I love that answer. I would agree with that answer. And they both had good days. But to see Paul Pogba come in and fundamentally change the entire complexion of that game with the things that he did and not just drawing the penalty, I mean, that that cross field half volley thing was just a, a, a work of art. It was just hit so sweetly and cleanly and, and just a beautiful, beautiful thing. All right. We will, uh, we'll talk more again uh, next week as, uh, as we always do about La Liga going on and EPL coming back. Uh, when we come back though, we're going to talk about Bundesliga. It rambles on the Bundesliga. Hello, people. Alexi here with a quick word from Theragun. You know, the stress of daily life weighs on all of us. Whether you're an elite athlete or just a regular person trying to get through the day, muscle pain and muscle tension is a real thing. That's why there's Theragun, the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combination of depth, speed, and power. And now, it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. That's because the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor that's so quiet, you'll wonder if it's on while you soothe your aching muscles with Theragun's signature power, amplitude, and effectiveness. Try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power you need. Starting at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash lawless right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash lawless. 
theragun.com slash lawless. Now back to the show. All right, Mossy, uh, Bundesliga continues to uh, roll on. And while the title is decided, and to no one's surprise, Bayern Munich uh, winning yet another title, uh, the Bundesliga always holds interest because of uh, the amount and the quality of American player that is consistently playing over there. And we're always following it. It was, it, it was a good week, shall we say, for Americans in the Bundesliga. Uh, Am I wrong? No, absolutely. That Saturday morning slot there when all the games were played, uh, you had Gio Reyna starting for Dortmund against Leipzig. And I thought Gio was outstanding in that game. Uh, not just the assist to Holland in the first half, but just very good overall performance. We'll talk more about that in a, in a minute. Tyler Adams came on in that match. You had uh, Wesson McKinney, who's been really the one bright spot for Schalke. He had a, a good performance for them, although that, that team is just an absolute disaster. And then you have Chris Richards coming on, making his debut for Bayern Munich. So uh, that was, I mean, you know, we talk about how the Bundesliga has become this uh, popular destination for young Americans. And it was very much on display <laughs> this past Saturday morning. And I, I think if you're a, a U.S. fan thinking about the future of the national team, that had to make you feel good. You did. I mean, look, Tyler Adams continues to be, I think, you know, one of the great American players playing the game today. And potentially when this is all said and done, one of the great American players ever to, uh, to play. And I think he is in pen when it comes to a Greg Berhalter national team. I think that he has become incredibly valued by RB Leipzig and by the Bundesliga. And he has increased his value on the international market. So, and that's, He's doing nothing, and he came through the, the, that that injury, and he's doing nothing to dispel, uh, you know, any uh, any of that. You mentioned mentioned Weston McKinney; they just got to get him out of there. Um, his value increases, and I just hope that Schalke doesn't put a ridiculous figure on him so that he that, that hurts his chances of going someplace else. But the fact is that he is a huge asset for them. And if they're going to sell it, they're going to make sure that they squeeze every single penny that they can possibly get out of him. And he's in a really good period right now where even when his team isn't playing well, even when his team is losing, he's the, the bright and sometimes only shining light to come, uh, to come out of it. Uh, you mentioned Chris Richards. You know, that's, look, a player who was raised and developed in the United States and with the relationship that uh, MLS and Dallas has with uh, Bayern Munich is seen and they say, hey, this is a great player. We want to sign him to finally get to that point where he's getting on the field and what we've seen with Alfonso Davies. And you know, still got a long way to go to even come close to, to an Alfonso Davies type of impact. But this is, this is great news for him if he can kick on and still be in the conversation when people are talking about, it, especially for a team. Now, now it happened after they won the title, so you know you can experiment and do some different things here. But the big story has to be from an American perspective, and by the way, not just an American perspective. I think anybody, regardless of their national team affiliation, would be excited to see someone like Gio Reyna step on the field, get his start for the first time. A couple of weeks ago, he had been starting, and he got hurt in warm up. So to see him get on, and not just get on, but like you say, be, uh, if you didn't know how old he was and you watched the game, you wouldn't be pointing at him and saying he's a teenager. But to be a consistent performer, not to look like anything was too much for him, and even the actual assist on the goal to Allen, I mean, 
and, and I know it's, it's probably not fair, but look, when you have that name on the back of your jersey, you're always going to be compared to Claudio Reyna. And I can't help it. You know, I grew up playing with Claudio and he was such a huge part and continues to be a huge part of American soccer. So when he shifts his body on that ball back and redirects it to Holland to put in the goal, I can't help thinking that the grace uh, and the style in which that he did it without missing a beat and the control of, of everything in terms of his steps and the mathematics going into it, it, it reminded me of his father. And maybe I'm projecting and maybe it's just, maybe if, if you didn't know who his father was, you'd never, you'd never say something like that. But I couldn't help but think that in that moment, he showed the delicate nature that he has on the ball, the great touch, the great vision to be able to see from side to side and you know the pace of the ball and showing up in that position, all of those different things. All in all, it was just a, a great day for him and therefore, from an American perspective, a great day for American soccer. He's a different kind of player than Pulisic. Pulisic is more explosive, more likely to, to beat his man one-on-one and, and create a scoring opportunity that way. Reyna, it's more uh, passing. He's very composed in possession and just these, plays these clever touches. And, and he's a, little, a bit more of a playmaking sort of winger, while yep. Pulisic is more of that dynamic, you know, beat his man. Claudio, but Cla- in the same way that Claudio was always deceptively fast. And he's one of those players, Claudio was one of those players who almost got faster with the ball. I think that Gio has a lot of that in him. He, he gobbles up space and he doesn't look like it's effortless. And so it's deceptive in, I mean, he's, he's not going to run by you with that first three steps and that quickness and that low center of gravity of someone like uh, Pulisic, but that's not what he's there to do. You know, he's going to see the field and he's going to make the right pass. You know, when you give it to Gio Reyna, that he's not going to lose it unnecessarily uh, and not in, in bad, bad places. You know, still got a long way to go, but this was, you know, this I was a do good think, day. Um, I do think Reyna starting this game and Sancho being on the bench was Dortmund already having one eye towards next season because Sancho is definitely gone uh, from everything you read. Uh, and it's sounding more and more like it might be Manchester United. Bayern had already clinched the title. Dortmund are locked into top four. They essentially have nothing more to play for this season. And so that was Lucien Favre already kind of transitioning a little bit to next season when I suspect Reyna will have a, a larger role and, and could even emerge as, as, a, as a regular starter. And so he already kind of, Lucien Favre wants to start to cultivate that sort of relationship between Reyna and Holland and, and start to get Reyna ready for, you know, what could be a, a bigger role next season. So that, that's how I interpreted that, Reyna starting and Sancho on the bench. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, and Holland, you know, singing his praises, the other teenager out there and obviously the other phenom out there. And so I think they're already un- have an understanding that this is the future. He called him uh, the, quote, American dream. So I love that, especially considering that, let's say that Erlen Holland is, is, when he's interviewed, not the, <laughs> the most verbose uh, or interesting at times when he's interviewed. So for him to come up with something like that, it said a lot. And then he said he had a huge future in, in front of him. And it's nice to hear him talk about it. It's nice to see them on the field, develop a relationship. And when you're a goal scorer, you very, very quickly recognize the people around you that are going to enable you to do what you do best. And you want them on the field. And so if I, if I was Allen or anybody else, I would be saying, this is a guy that's going to be around. And this is a guy that's going to make me look better. And by the way, the more goals that I score, the more value I have for that, for that next move. What do you think for Jaden Sancho? What, what's a transfer fee? 
especially if he's going to the EPL and especially if he's going to Manchester United. It's tough in this climate to, to put a number on it. I think under normal circumstances, he would have been like a hundred million euro type player, but um, I just don't know if we're going to see those sorts of You think of they're going to get him though, because of the situation of the, the, yeah, the, the world yeah, is at a reduced to, rate? Yeah. It, mm. Dortmund might have to sell him for a reduced rate. Uh, I don't know. I, mean, I think he's at the echelon where the, 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 the normal rules don't 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 apply. So I think they're gonna I think they're gonna gouge them. Two two larger narratives on the Giorena front. Uh, first of all, we've talked about this ever since the U.S.'s qualification uh, failure. Uh, there's a faction of fans in this country that have developed this kind of sky is falling mentality towards everything. And so the U.S. clearly has this like young, exciting collection of players. We just talked about Pulisic, Reina, McKenney, Adams. Uh, Serginio Dest, you could throw in there. Others, yep. you know, Josh Sargent, things a little iffy right now, but potentially. And there are people that, that want to sort of pour cold water on that. Do you think that, uh, I mean, as, as time moves forward and we watch more and more of these players, it's becoming harder and harder to, to, to do that and, and to deny the fact that there is this exciting collection of players here? Or do you think there, there are people in this country that are still going to take something of a cynical, like, wait and see approach, and I want to see them do it with the national team? And also this notion that, oh, just because these guys are in Europe, that does and automatically confer upon this next generation any kind of special status that 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 they you know that they they need to see a little bit more. Just how, how do you how do you see all that? Well, I mean, if it's if it's relative to the national team, okay, then I think that there will be continued and understandable crossing of arms and wait and see type of attitude because you know once again because of not qualifying for the last World Cup and people will say you know we were burned. And we are gun shy right now when it comes to American talent. Now, I, I do think that, especially over the last couple of years, the amount and the quality that we have seen of young talent has gotten some people maybe to ease those folded arms a little bit. But until these players get together in a national team and qualify for a World Cup and then do well in a men's World Cup, I still think that there's going to be a faction of people that are not going to give them the credit that you know maybe they deserve. Now, I will say this, just because somebody is starting and playing in Europe doesn't mean that they should be on the national team or if they're on the national team that they will do the same things. You know, I was arguing with somebody again on Twitter and I've said this forever, you know, form is fallacy. And if your if your criteria for the best players because we all know it's not about the best players, it's about the best collection of players, but if your criteria is you play in Europe, you should start on the national team. And fine, that's your criteria. And we'll be done with everybody else. And if you're playing in Europe, you'll get called in and we'll make a national team out of that. But we all know that that's, that's not the case. And that would, be, that would be problematic. Now, Gio, barring injury, barring a, just a complete inability to integrate with the national team. And we know bef before all this hit, he was scheduled to come in with the national team. He, I, I had seen him much more for the 26 cycle, but he's on the accelerated path. And once again, as long as he stays healthy, I think that he is going to play a part with the national team. But just because he starts for Dortmund, honestly, doesn't necessarily mean he should start for the U.S. men's national team. And I know that for, for some people that blows their minds and they can't possibly uh, think that. But you know, I think that there, you, you should be excited about someone like Gio Reyna, and you should be excited by, uh, about all this talent. And you should be excited that this talent, if, if all goes as planned, and if amassed correctly, 
can do some things from an international perspective uh, under Greg Berhalter. So yeah, I am very bullish about the future when it comes to the, uh, the players right now, but I totally get arms crossed and people, you know, saying, well, I've seen this before. And until you actually qualify, Mossy, anything else uh, Bundesliga related? Well, so the second narrative I wanted to hit relating to Girena is um, Alfonso Davy was, was named uh, Bundesliga rookie of the season, which MLS folk took great pride in. Yeah. Similarly, uh, Tyler Adams's success in the Bundesliga, MLS folk have taken great pride in because they think that strengthens the argument that as a young player, you are better off uh, playing in MLS first and using that as sort of a launching pad to Europe if that's the direction you want to take your career. But then you see somebody like Giorena having the success he's having and Pulisic, and that sort of perpetuates the notion that, no, if you're a really talented youngster, you're better off bypassing MLS altogether, going straight to Europe. So do you sense that? Like there are these two competing narratives out there and sort of people are, are you know, they, they view these players through that lens and one strengthens sort of one side of the argument and the other strengthens the other? Yeah, you know, there's two paths and neither one of them is the right path, Okay. Uh, oh, I guess I guess whichever one you take that gets you there is the right one. But none, neither of them right now has proven that this is the right path. And there's two different ways of going about it. I mean, we I asked uh, Tyler Adams a few weeks ago on Indoor Soccer, our weekly magazine show on Fox. I, I asked him about the path that he chose specific to MLS and how he did involve MLS. And he will tell you, uh, and he did tell us at that point, that he doesn't regret it for a second. He knows that that path that he took was what made him the player that he was and what he believes enabled him to use Major League Soccer to go, uh, go to the Bundesliga. Now, would it have happened anyway if he had, if he had done what a, a Christian Pulisic uh, did? Maybe, maybe not. But there's no, there's no one right way when it, uh, when it comes to that. And that's a, that's a good thing because MLS can celebrate uh, and MLS can point to it and use it as a success story. But the reality is that MLS isn't going to capture all the talent and there will be others. And just because somebody doesn't go the MLS way, okay, doesn't mean that that's the, that's the right way. And by the way, there will be players that don't go the MLS way that don't make it. And we never hear about that. We only hear about the one percenters, okay, that actually do make it. We never hear about the ones that, uh, that don't make it. And you know what? There might be some that use MLS as a, as a platform and then go to Europe and flame out and, and don't do it. So if somebody came to me and asked me, what would you recommend? It all depends on the, on the player and what that player needs and what that player is as a, as a person. So you got to assess everything, body and mind, and then make your best possible decision. And both of those pathways may lead you to the promised land. Uh, and as you mentioned at the very start of this conversation, Bayern did in fact clinch their eighth straight title with a 1-0 a midweek win over Bremen. No surprise, Robert Lewandowski with the goal. Alfonso Davies did actually get sent off in that game. And then Bayern won again this weekend. They beat Freiburg 3-1. Lewandowski with two goals there. He's up to 33 in the Bundesliga this season, which is unbelievable. Wow. We will we'll put a ribbon on this Bundesliga campaign next week uh, after it's all over. I mean, there's lots to talk about and, and, and larger implications of Bayern winning it again. And, and I know people, it's been a lot of hand-wringing about that. Is there anything this league can do from a structural standpoint to try to curb this Bayern dominance? But I will say going into the very last weekend, two big points of interest. Gladbach now have a two-point lead over Leverkusen for fourth place, and they have a healthy goal difference advantage. So Gladbach only need a point from their last game against Hertha Berlin, which will not be easy. Hertha playing well. Uh, Leverkusen will face Mines. They're looking to, to get into that top four. And then also way down at the bottom, 
uh, Dusseldorf and Bremen. There's a question there over who's going to go straight down and who's going to go to that relegation playoff. Dusseldorf do have a two-point lead over Bremen and the goal difference advantage. So they're sitting in the driver's seat. We'll see if Josh Sargent and Bremen can pull a rabbit out of their hat in the last round and maybe get out of that automatic drop spot and at least get themselves into a relegation playoff. Wow. Wow. All right, Massey, my last question about Bundesliga for you, and it's going to segue into what you're going to talk about next. Robert Lewandowski, Ballon d'Or? You know, this is a bit of a wacky year, obviously. And I think there's a real opening there for him, particularly if Bayern win the Champions League, which that, that's a perfect segue. I don't know if you planned That's it. why I did it, Moski, <laughs> all right? It's not my first rodeo here. Good yes. God. <laughs> so uh, UEFA did, in fact, confirm uh, this past week what the plan is for both the Champions League and the Europa League. So for the Champions League, there are still four rounds of 16 uh, second legs to be played. And they're hoping to play those at the venues where they were you know, originally scheduled for, but it'll depend on the health situation in those countries uh, when, when the time arrives for those games, which would be August 7th and 8th. But then from the quarterfinals forward, all the games will be in Lisbon. There'll be uh, one-off games, quarterfinal, semifinal, and final. And Istanbul, which was originally going to host the Champions League final this year, that's now been pushed back to next year, 2021. And so you push every final back. So St. Petersburg, a city that I love, as you know, St. Petersburg, yes. Russia, was supposed to host in 21. That's pushed to 22. Munich now 23. London, Wembley 24, uh, which presumably means the New York one would be in 2025. Uh, just kidding. That hasn't been. Uh, but um, so that, that's the change regarding the Champions League. As far as the Europa League, same deal there. You still have to get through the round of 16. But once we're down to eight, the quarterfinals there also will be uh, one-off. Quarterfinals and semifinals also be one-off games rather than two legs. And those will take place uh, across four different cities in Germany. Cologne, Dusseldorf, Duisburg, and Gelsenkirchen. Oh, <laughs> and the final will be in Cologne. So that's the deal for the, uh, it was originally going to be in Gdansk, but Polish city. Uh, so that's been pushed back to next year as well. So that's the deal, folks, with the uh, UEFA Champions League and UEFA Europa League. But Champions League, and as it relates to Robin Lewandowski, if he uh, and his Bayern Munich thing, uh, team go to Portugal, and it's more of a, and correct me if I'm wrong, Mossy, more of a, uh, an MLS-ish type of approach where this, all the teams are there, the bubble, one, one-off games. We're not doing two games, one-off games, obviously right. in a neutral site. If, if Robert Lewandowski were to go there and continue his scoring feats and, dare I say, have Bayern Munich win a Champions League, a very different Champions League, but still win a Champions League, that would play into your assessment on what other, whether he would uh, win it, right? Absolutely. Now, amazingly enough, there's some there's some concern that Bayern are actually going to be hurt by the Bundesliga having come back so quickly. And now it's going to create an awkward gap for them between the end of the Bundesliga. Oh, yeah. And the start of the Champions League. So so the dates there, like I said, in August 7th and 8th, Bayern, one of those days, they'll finish their round of 16 tie against Chelsea, which they won 3-0 at Stanford Bridge. So that's in the bag. So they'll put Alex Dabbs Chelsea out of their misery in one of those two days. Uh, and then they'll move on to the quarterfinals, which are August 12th through the 15th, I believe. Then semifinals, 18th and 19th. And then the finals on the 23rd in Lisbon at the Stadio da Luz, which is Benfica's home stadium. And so the Bundesliga is going to end next week. So yeah, <laughs> and they, they right. do have the German Cup final against Leverkusen July 4th. But still, that is quite the gap from that to when they would actually play uh, in, the Bund- in the Champions League again. So uh, in effect, hey, Germany awesome. having their act together and, and doing such a good job getting back on the field <laughs> is actually nope, good. No good deed goes unpunished, Mossy. All right. <laughs> Suck it up, buttercup. All right. They got to... 
By the way, one note on if I seem extra distracted, not only do I have the Liverpool game, but I've got my dad furiously texting me that Vinicius Jr. is is starting uh, in the Real Sociedad Real Madrid game because the lineups have just come out. So, oh my goodness, I'm getting all all sorts of of stuff. uh, Well, well, listen, Mossy, uh, we'll 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 finish up this uh, this segment because you mentioned the Champions League and and the bubble esque type of thing that's happening uh, that kind of is going to mirror. And I think they will be watching what MLS is doing down in Orlando, but what they will also be watching is what's happening in Utah, where the NWSL is scheduled to kick back off this weekend. So by the time our next pod rolls around next week, it will have already been played. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this for a number of different reasons, not the least of which is, even though you won't read about it, and even though people won't uh, acknowledge it, uh, or enough people will acknowledge, it is officially the first professional sports league to return. Now, that's something to, to, to celebrate and something to be curious about. There will be people that will ignore it. Uh, and there will be folks out there that won't respect the fact that it is and it should be billed as such. But you know what? This is soccer, okay? And this is, first off, you know, the reason why it might not be receive the attention that it deserves or the reason why it might not receive the, uh, the respect that it deserves or the reason why it won't be looked at as relevant is because number one, it's soccer. And I don't need to tell any soccer people out there that the, this is the challenge. Uh, and it doesn't matter whether it's men's or women's, this is the challenge that we go through each and every day. We can cry and whine about it, but it doesn't change, uh, change the fact. I will be watching. And I know a lot of people will be watching. It's going to be broadcast nationally. It's all nine teams in Utah in this bubble type of environment. I will be watching not just for the competition that's happening on the field and what that ultimately looks like, but I'll be also watching just like every other league that has come back to see what they do. Are they doing something interesting? Are they doing something creative with the way that they are producing these games, with the product that is coming out? I mean, look, Yes, it is the first professional league to come back online, but you can't rest on that, okay? That's going to come and go. Well done. Congratulations. Now, what does your product look like? And your product's going to have to measure up. And so from a soccer perspective, soccer people out there, you should be excited that a professional soccer league in the United States is coming back online, that it's the first. You know, that should be celebrated and that should be, that should be recognized, but that it doesn't you know, we can scream and yell about it, but that's ultimately what soccer is, even in 2020, with all the strides that we have made on and off the field. But I'll be looking for, uh, for that. Uh, I'll also be looking for who's playing, because I want to see the teams. I want to see the stars out there uh, of, of that league or any other league. And if they're not there, that's a problem. But, you know, we'll see what it, what it ultimately looks like. I'm excited to see what, like I said, what the, the competition looks like on the field and what the production like, uh, looks like off the field of the NWSL coming back this weekend, uh, starting Saturday in, uh, in Utah. All nine teams are there. They play some preliminary games. Then they go into uh, quarterfinals, semifinals, and a champion of, uh, uh, of the tournament there in Utah. So check that out. All right, Mossy, anything else before we move on? That's it. All right, when we come back, oh, yeah, you know what? You love it or you don't. But we're going to do it either way. That Ask Alexi. It is Ask Alexi time. Use that hashtag Ask Alexi. We'll be doing that right around the corner here. All right, moving on. 
Hello, people. Alexi Lawless here with a quick word from our friends at Sleep Number. A healthy lifestyle should be easy, right? Eat your veggies, drink green smoothies, exercise to get your heart rate up, do your yoga to bring your heart rate down. Okay, well, maybe it's not so easy, but there is something that helps improve everything, and you can do it with your eyes closed. It's sleep. Sleep Number knows what it takes to sleep your best. The Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed lets you choose your ideal firmness, comfort, and support on each side, your Sleep Number setting. It's the perfect solution for couples. These beds are so smart, they respond to your every move and automatically adjust to keep you sleeping comfortably all night. Proven quality sleep is life-changing sleep. And now during the lowest prices of the season sale, save $400 on a Queen Sleep Number 360 C4 Smart Bed. Now only $1,299. You'll only find Sleep Number at Sleep Number stores or by visiting www.sleepnumber.com slash cadence. Now back to the show. Ask Alexi. Okay, welcome back. And it's time for Ask Alexi, that portion of the show when uh, we look into and then pick and then read out some of your questions that you've asked with that hashtag Ask Alexi out there on the social media platforms, your Twitters and your Instagrams and all the different things out there. So uh, what do the people want to know this week, Mossy? Uh, first up, at Day Day 09, thoughts on Irving Lozano's situation? Ooh, muy mal, muy mal. So Chucky, Chucky, Irving Chucky Lozano, undeniable young talent from, uh, from Mexico. We saw him star in the last World Cup for Mexico. Big transfer, $40 million, I think, from uh, PSV to Napoli. Uh, this was to be a stepping stone and, and a step higher for him. It has not gone well, shall we say. I think all appearances, uh, last time I checked, three goals, two assists. He was recently kicked out of training by new coach Gattuso, uh, which we know is, he's an acquired taste, and certainly it's his way or the highway when it comes to, uh, it comes to players. He was kicked out for, I think, uh, the quote was being apathetic. I think that's being very kind. Look, it's, it's obvious that it has not gone well, and it's obvious that I don't think that this is going to change anytime soon. And so he, uh, from all accounts, is looking for a way out. Uh, and I think that, that he will be sold. Uh, they're going to have to make some money, and so people are going to have to pay. But it's not working in, in Napoli, and... But if he can parlay this in a strange way into a better move, into a completely different situation and a new set of circumstances, there's nothing that tells me that he can't be an influential player. But, you know, this is, you hope that this is a bump in the road as opposed to a huge flag that says we may have seen the best. And when, when it gets down to it, he, either he's not as good as we thought or he's not willing to put in the time and effort and the work to be as good and better. Yeah, things already weren't going that well under Ancelotti, but the situation felt more salvageable. Ancelotti is more of a soft touch, and, mm -hmm. and it, he, they could have perhaps gotten on the same page. Gattuso, as you mentioned, more of a drill sergeant, and it seems like they don't get along at all. And so uh, you hate to keep switching clubs every year, but uh, that situation might no longer be tenable there with him and Gattuso. And Gattuso obviously strengthened himself by winning the Copa Italia, so he's going to be there next season. So yeah, Chucky might be looking for a new club. Now, we debated uh, a short time ago on this podcast, Chucky Lozano versus Pulisic. Do you think time has proven that Pulisic is clearly the superior player? And also, although you shocked folks by 
throwing your support behind Mexico at the 2018 World Cup, which the U.S. was not in. Do you, generally speaking, from a U.S.-Mexico rivalry standpoint, derive some pleasure from the fact that the most prominent, most talented Mexican player in Europe is struggling and perhaps not as good as people thought, and that could augur well for the U.S. in future confrontations with Mexico? Well, I take a certain pride uh, or pleasure, not pride, a pleasure when it (laughs) happens. I also check myself before I wreck myself, Mossy, because... I recognize, and what, what I tell you each and every time is that form is fallacy. And so while Chucky Lozano can be sucking it up right now and not even look like he's ever kicked a ball before and be in real dire straits when it comes to his situation, that doesn't preclude him from stepping on the field against the United States in qualifying or any other place and tearing us a new one. Okay, Uh, in the same way that watching Chicharito struggle to score goals from a U.S.-Mexico perspective. Yeah, that's that that, it makes me laugh. I'm a human being, but it also doesn't mean that he can't get on the field and go score a bunch of goals against the United States. So whatever glee or joy I take out of the struggles of the, the Mexican players, it quickly subsides. And look. I want CONCACAF players to do well. It helps the United States. It helps Major League Soccer. It helps soccer in the area. And I want CONCACAF to be looked at as one of the places to go for talent. So that that plays into it too. But yeah, I mean, he's going to make a chance. And by the way, I mean, he's rumored. There's there's some big teams that are rumored <laughs> and associated with him. Manchester United and the, and the like. So it's not as if... He, he, you know, he's not going to have options here because he's, an un, he's a recognized talent. It just hasn't gone well, and the circumstances just aren't good right now. Uh, next up, at the floor moves W1. Hi, Alexi. Love your podcast, and I have a question. If possible, ignoring American labor laws, do you think a team like Chivas, where they only hired domestic players, would succeed in the MLS? Do you think it would improve or affect the U.S. men's national team? Hmm. Well, it's a big ignoring there, ignoring American labor laws. So if you'd like to do something illegal, how is basically how you should have phrased it. Uh, would it work? I think it would work in that you could make a competitive team. And for lack of a better word, the, the national pride that would be felt and built into that team would, would spur it on. Having said that, I don't know if, well, I, I know that that's not something that I would ever necessarily want to see. Would it help the national team? Hmm. You know, I have argued in the past, and I will continue to argue, that if you just picked a national team from one area of the country, you might have a better chance at being successful with shared experiences with a collective understanding and acceptance of how the game is played relative to where you're growing up, what you're associated with. Uh, and that's, you know, sometimes based on geography. Uh, I don't, I don't think, well, it, it can't happen. It shouldn't happen, but if it did, yeah, they would, they would compete. I think there's enough domestic talent to put together to make a competitive and maybe at times formidable type of, of team. But just because something can be done doesn't necessarily mean it should be done. And by the way, it, it can't be done here. And you know what, although what could be done is that you could have a team 
that has all international players. And I've argued that I, I would take away all the restrictions when it comes to Major League Soccer. I don't think you should be required, you know, there shouldn't be uh, roster restrictions when it comes to foreign players versus domestic players. If you feel that for your market and for your team and for your fan base, having all international players is the way to go, you should be allowed, uh, you should be allowed to do that. So, and I, look, I don't know the, the intricacies and details of American labor laws. So, so I don't even know. I mean, I guess, I guess it would be illegal in that, but you'd have to prove that you are not giving those opportunities and therefore it would have to be almost written into what you are doing in the way that Chivas kind of made it. I don't know. Mossy, what do you think? Two, two random points on this. Roy Smith wrote a great column in the New York Times recently about Athletic Bilbao, uh, which is a club that only signs players from the Basque region of Spain. And so he, he wrote about the unique culture of that club. It was a fascinating article. I, I recommend everybody to go read it. Uh, also today, June 21st, 2020, is the 50-year anniversary of the 1970 World Cup final in which Pele and Brazil beat Italy 4-1. In uh, Brazilian media this past week, I've just been inundated with podcasts and articles about this. It's almost been like in Brazil, what like the last dance was here. And everybody's sort of diving back into this era and this golden age and, and learning about it and reading about it. And, and I've, I've read all the articles and, and I read an interesting article from the Italy perspective, uh, an Italian journalist talking about the sort of dynamics surrounding Italy at that world cup. And, and it's interesting in the 1966 world cup in England, uh, Italy had a disastrous performance, including famously losing to North Korea, one of the biggest upsets in World Cup history. And the reaction back home was that uh, there are too many foreigners in Syria, and that's what's hurting the national team. And so in the wake of that 1966 World Cup performance, uh, Syria instituted a rule that teams could no longer sign foreign players. And so it, it makes it interesting that 1970 World Cup was the first World Cup post that rule going into effect. And Italy got all the way to the final, which seems to sort of validate that way of thinking. And so the rule remained in place for many more years. It wasn't until 1980, which they started to soften it. Each team was allowed to sign one foreign player, then increased to two a couple of years later. And it's amazing to think about because as the 80s progressed, Serie A became like the, the place for players to sure. go from Platini to Maradona to Zico, Van Basten, Gullit, Rijkaard, etc. into the 90s when you played there. And I think of all the amazing foreign players you, you came up against. But you could still, you could only have three on the field at, yeah, the, I mean, at the time. I mean, there was time at AC Milan, you'd look up in the stands and you could, you'd see this all-star team that wasn't allowed to even dress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so I would just say this to Americans, I guess, you know, this question of MLS and what, what responsibility it has towards a national team and foreign players versus domestic players. Uh, this is nothing new that what you're grappling with. This is something that like established soccer nations have been grappling with for decades. And so it's this eternal debate that I think is never going to be completely settled as to what the role of a domestic league should be in, in relation to that country's national team. Well, it's a, it's a good question. The floor moves W1, if that's your real if that's your real name. But you know, I, I, I will reiterate that, that I also believe that it's not MLS's responsibility to prop up or help the national team. It could be a wonderful byproduct, but MLS has to do what they feel is right for, uh, for their business. So, so to, your, to, to answer your question, like I said, I don't, I don't think it would ever happen. I don't think it necessarily should happen. Um, and I I would, but it probably would, would it, would it improve the national team? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. That's a, that's a hard one. That's a hard one to say, but it's a good question. Uh, Mossy, anything else? 
Uh, we'll end on this a fun one. At Anthony Goff wants to know, what was the last job you had that wasn't soccer related? Let's see. So uh, that's not soccer related? Because I did the whole uh, camp, you know, summers doing uh, soccer camps, uh, being a coach, counselor, whatever you want to call it. I did refereeing growing up uh, to make money. Um, and those are obviously associated with soccer. So those those wouldn't count. I was a bar back. Uh, I worked in a bookstore. I worked in uh, a, I guess what would be a, uh, a banquet hall type of situation where, you know, you're setting and clearing and doing all, all that kind of stuff. But that was back, back in the day when I was young. Um, and since then, everything has been associated with soccer. Soccer has been very good to me and has given me everything that I have. And I'm incredibly privileged and thankful for that. But yeah, I mean, I haven't, if, what would I do? Uh, or what, if I didn't have soccer, what would I be doing? I don't know, probably teaching or something involving music or writing or something like that. I don't, I don't know. I haven't, yeah, soccer has been a huge part of my life from a employment standpoint for, gosh, I and mean, that's 30 years, less more, 35 years probably last 35 years so that's those are the last things that uh uh that i did so bar backing bouncing <laughs> not not real uh high stress or or intellectually challenging jobs out there which was good for me all right mossy what about you yeah not really it's been all like sports media stuff so nothing right. really different much different from what i'm doing now I, I did work as a counselor sports camps as a kid was always all the kids favorite counselor i, I uh, it's, it's a random thing about me is that kids love me. I have, I have a very good relationship with small children. So if you ever, <laughs> yeah, if you, if you ever party where you bring your kids and you kind of want them to just be occupied so you can go and hang out with the adults, just like leave them with me and I can entertain kids forever. This is good to know. This is good to know. All right, cool. Uh, all right, Mossy, anything else? That's it. All right. Well, we come to the end of another show. And as we mentioned at the top, we were recording this on June 21st, which is a Sunday. It is also Father's Day. So Mossy, uh, please send my best to your father. Uh, I know that he is an avid listener of the show. You got something? I, I see. You. Uh, he's very much on your side on the whole uh, fracas you had with uh, Sid Lowe. My dad likes oh, the five yeah. subs, likes the cooling breaks, wants a lot of this stuff to stick. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> Sid was being so, he was seen being so grumpy and old guyish about everything. So yeah. I, uh, I went back with the, uh, the great writer said low and uh, he was not having any of my uh, my ro or my romance or my my uh, my progressive type of nature when it comes to uh, the way that I'm looking at the things that are coming out of this listen a happy father's day to all of the fathers out there uh, that are around the ones that aren't around they are uh, hopefully looking down and smiling upon all of their uh, sons and daughters out there for everything that they are doing and that everything that they are becoming. Uh, I too, believe it or not, uh, am from a family and I have a father. Thankfully, he is still, uh, he is still with us. When I was growing up, um, it's fair to say that, that neither of my parents, including my father, who uh, was a professor, uh, mechanical engineer, they did not envision uh, or dream of their firstborn being a professional soccer player. Uh, having said that, they were incredibly supportive. And we, uh, we need people to support us. 
especially from, from an early age. And that type of support and that positive reinforcement, even from, from someone like my father, who we didn't relate when it came to, to sports. Um, you know, he would, you know, while I would certainly crush him from a soccer perspective, he would crush me uh, if, from things like talking about physics or uh, international climate change agreements or squash or bat, uh, backgammon or any other number of things that he was incredibly well-versed at. But, you know, the, the support and the looking over you and caring about you, you know, Masi, you talk about your father and uh, the conversations that you have. Uh, it's, there's something special. There's something special about it. And if you are lucky enough to have it, uh, you recognize how valuable it is. And just like a lot of these days, we don't need a specific day, but we have a specific day. And it's the day that we celebrate what hopefully you're celebrating on a daily basis. And that's, um, you know, the importance and the value that fathers bring to their children. And well beyond, I'm 50 years old this year, and I still get that, that support uh, and that interest and that love and that uh, caring uh, and that advice from, uh, from my father. And hopefully you have a situation, uh, whether it's uh, your father or anybody that is a father type of figure out there to you, uh, because we all need help and maybe more so uh, now than ever. So happy Father's Day to all of the fathers out there, uh, to all of those dads that, uh, that are tuning into the State of the Union. Thank you very much for doing that. And thank you to everybody for, uh, for tuning in each and every week uh, right now. We, uh, we are hopefully heading in a positive direction when it comes to our planet and uh, what we are going through. And hopefully that, that trend continues and it's an upward and a positive trend uh, in terms of what we, are, uh, what we are doing. Mossy, anything to say before uh, we head out? I know. Happy Father's Day to everybody out there. I'm actually about to call mine as soon as we're done here. So uh, yeah, yeah definitely, definitely reach out, reach out to the dads out there and the fathers out there and don't, don't have it be the only day that you reach out, but <laughs> don't, if you, <laughs> but don't skip this day, <laughs> skip this day either. So if you're listening on Monday when this comes out and you haven't done it, all right, you're still going to have to, you know, you're still going to have to make a call and apologize, uh, but, but make that call. All right. Uh, we will talk again next week. Uh, when, as I said, there will be more leagues coming online. I mentioned the NWSL and continuation of leagues. MLS is down the line a few weeks here. Uh, they'll be coming online and all sorts of other sports uh, also coming online. So we're getting back to a world that does have professional soccer in a very different way, but still it's at least a world that, a world that has some uh, professional soccer and professional sports out there. So that's something that, uh, that is fun to see. We'll talk again next week. Uh, make sure you use that hashtag AskAlexi with all your questions, comments, and concerns out there on uh, whether you, you know, rate, review, uh, subscribe, download, do all the things on all the different platforms, whether it is Apple Podcasts or Spotify uh, or YouTube or anything else out there. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. We will talk again next week. And as always, size the deck. <laughs>